So we are, um, like I said, wrapping up this. Hopefully, I think it's going to happen. We've got a few verses to get through today, but I want to jump right in. Um, in the third chapter, Simon Peter is writing, and he's addressing the, the false teachers, the false prophets. He's been kind of in this vein right now saying, hey, watch out for these guys. These are snakes. These are not good guys, but you don't have to worry about taking care of them. The Lord is going to take care of them. And we kind of left off last week as these guys are saying, so where's this promise, like this promise of Jesus? We come, we come in here. How many of you have been in church for a very long time? You've showed up on all the Sundays and, you know, you're still living with that expectation that he's coming back. We're all, that's it. He's coming back one day. I believe it. The day of the Lord will come. And Peter makes this very clear. We hold on to that promise and we are living in anticipation that that, that will happen. And it, here's what I do know. It'll happen. It's just the perfect timing. Now, when you're living in it, it's hard sometimes, right? You feel like, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And there's some things that Simon says about this today. But let's pick up in verse 10, left off where we did last week. I just want to get back in the vein of this. He says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. There's a lot of thieving going on in Homestead right now. It's all over social media, right? Don't leave your packages out, right? Well, Jen and I were sitting on the couch last night, and we got a uh, a, a notice it said there was a package delivered right here in the evening. And I was like, well, that's super inconvenient. But it would also be very irresponsible of me not to come get that package, right? <laughs> and so we drove over here last night and we got the package and took it home safely. Listen, um, the Lord is not a thief. <laughs> he is a promise and he is a fixer and a, and a lover of your soul, right? But when he comes, it's going to feel like that. Because the people who were unprepared, who weren't diligent, who weren't on the front end of taking care of things and responsible of what they should have been responsible for, that's what it's going to feel like for them. He's coming like a thief and then the heavens will pass away with roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Well, that's pretty scary. So he's dealing with these false teachers. They've been troubling the churches. They're still troubling People today, people were wondering when God is coming back. They're still wondering when God is coming back, but the Lord is not slow. Peter says this, he's not slow about his promise. He is not slack in his promise, one version says. He, he's always right on time. Don't ever think that God is delayed or he's slow or he forgot about you or his timing in your life or in life in general was off. His timing is always perfect. It's us who is off. Verse 11 says, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? The word ought is like should. What kind of lives should you be living? Well, it's, he jumps right back in the theme. We almost go full circle here because one of the major themes of Simon Peter is to live in holiness. Be holy, as I am holy. We'll talk about this continued. Be holy, be different. And this, this isn't him just asking a question, although it is in the form of a question. He's stating a fact, right? What, what kind of people, what sort of people should you look like? As Christ followers, as one who would say, I'm a Christian or I'm a disciple of Jesus, what does it look like? Well, it looks like holiness and godliness. That's what it looks like. And what we said last week is there's, there's no such thing as an ordinary Christ follower. You're special. All of us are special. The Bible says you're uniquely created with a purpose. God has a plan for your life. He has a path. He will make known to you the path of righteousness. You have to get on that path of righteousness. And if there's no such thing as an 
ordinary, as we said last week, Christ follower, that means there's no such thing as ordinary Christian living. We have to live set apart. We'll continue to talk about this today, really drive this home. And the last thing we left off with last week was uh, this, this quote from this theologian that says, there are two things that characterize a Christ-following life, the ones who are living, Christ followers who are living in the light of return of, of Jesus. Those two things, one is anticipation, the other is holy activity. Yeah, holy activity. And so we, we get this inside of us, we're like, okay, what, again, what does this look like? And so we're going to find out today with the Lord's help what this looks like, how we should be living, the application behind it. Verse 12 says, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Waiting for and hastening. Waiting for and essentially speeding up because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. So we're looking for, looking for, even so come quickly, Lord Jesus, waiting for the sky to peel back like a scroll, right? And then hastening the coming of the day. And so we can anticipate this day as people who live set apart or holy or righteous lives, godly lives, you can anticipate that day. The people who are not living those kind of lives do not anticipate that day. They're like, hold on a little while longer. I've got some living to do. Well, that's nonsense. You've got to get that sorted out. So what, what kind of people should you be or ought you be, right? He says this, you ought to be holy. You ought to live holy. You ought to be godly. You ought to uh, just live this life. And so we're, now we're talking about this holy as we started from the very beginning of 1 Peter the set-apart life, the sanctified life, the consecrated life, it must look different than the world. The world is increasingly chaotic, lawless, just full of sin and destruction. That is not God's ways. We should live set apart from that, right, for God. Set apart from that for this purpose, right? Then he says you should be godly. So we're talking about a devotion to God. All of you are devoted to something. Something. There's something in your life that when you wake up in the morning, you're like, that's it. Maybe it's the gym. Maybe you have just your, your coffee. You're like, that's a, oh, man, I can't wait to get that pour over or whatever kind of coffee. You just, what it is, you're devoted to that. What if we just would wake up in the morning and the first thought that came on hand is like, God, you're so good. You have given me breath in my lungs. You have given me hands and feet. My feet are about to hit this floor, and they're going to be running towards you all day long, Jesus. And I can't wait to see what you're going to do. With these lungs and these hands and these feet today. What if we begin to have that kind of devotion instead of, let me get on my phone and scroll and, and see who messaged me on Instagram last night. Who cares? Who cares? Right? And whatever platform that you get. And so Peter is not just, he's not just saying a whole bunch of stuff here. He's not just writing this. Word. There's, there's a whole point to this thing. But he also sees that as this anticipation builds and it builds through a holy life. That this is a motivation, that the, the holy living actually motivates expectation. It actually stirs up expectation. This is why the, this is why the church people, the good church people are always like, whoo, can't wait, can't wait to get home. This is why you can see that. And I don't want to just sit here and sing songs of escapism. That's not it. Because God has planted us here. However, there is this, this expectation 
And then the expectation provokes holy living, and it's just continually stirring this up. The holiness, the devotion, the godliness is, is such a real call to our lives. Now listen to this. How you live, godly, holy lives is what should be happening. How you live affects the anticipation with which you live. Now let me explain that. If you will live holy is what I've been trying to tell you. I just wanted to say in one statement, if you will live holy, you'll be excited about it. If you went to the doctor last year and he was like, you're pre-diabetic, you need to change this, you need to change this, you need to change this, and you didn't change anything, I doubt you're looking forward to this year's appointment. <laughs> or better known as your yearly scolding, right? <laughs> you need to change this, you need to go gym, you need to lose this much weight, you need, you need to focus. And get, you know, it's like every year you didn't change anything, so why would, why would I look forward to that visit? Why would I look forward to nothing Good has changed in me. You go to the dentist, right? It's like he didn't change anything. He's still eating candy all day long, right? He knows. He knows. You've been flossing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the dentist ain't the house of God. We know that. <laughs> but you're lying in that chair. Don't, don't do it. He knows. He knows. And so how you live affects the anticipation in your life. And a lot of people, and I'm talking about inside of the church, are walking around like tombs. They're just dead. They're not, not anticipating anything. They're dragging. I don't know why we're dragging through life. We should be full of joy and full of excitement. I'm not saying everything has to be perfect. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that I can have joy in every circumstance. I can be content. Paul said it. Doesn't matter what I've been through, right? I can be content. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so our living has to be connected with our anticipation of the Lord's return and an understanding that is continually deepening of God. And here's what I know is that we've, what we've been talking about is this time or the, what people say is a delay or where is this promise or why do you do it? What's the point of going to church? What's the point of showing up every week? You guys have been talking about this for 1,000 years, 2,000 years. Well, the point of that is that time in our very, very limited understanding of time, right, is being held by an almighty God so that, so that you and I will know him and he will know us. And the people that have not yet, I'll say yet, given their lives to him, can come to him. He's so beautifully patient with us, and I need to win some. Paul said, I'll become all things to all people so that I can win some. I can't win them all, but I can win some. Like I told you last week, somebody's going to hear about Jesus this week. Somebody is going to hear about They might love it. They might hate it, whatever. But I'm going to tell you, because I love you, I'm going to tell you the truth about your life. I'm going to do it in a loving manner, but I'm also going to do it in a truthful manner. You're going to get it all the way around. So we look at these, and, and then he goes on to say, but according, in verse 13, but according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Oh, that sounds good. That's where we get all these songs, right? I, I'd like to sing them, but I'm not going to sing them today. I don't have time. But I like to sing all the church songs. How many of you grew up in old school church? Anybody? Yeah, some of you know some of those old, old school songs. I could just go all week long and just singing them about. Nobody knows them. and I'm the only one, and I feel just fine with that, right? It's just me and God. But again, I don't want to just sing songs about escapism. Let me get out of here. I'm going to take a trip on a good old gospel ship. I'm going far beyond the skies, right? I'm gonna, those, are, those are good songs. 
And, and one day we're going to get to that new earth and the new heavens, which righteousness dwells, because this, this ain't the place. This ain't the place. And the old system, the old, the things that God have spoke into existence, right? It's all going to be burnt up, exposed, and we're going to have a new heaven, a new earth. And here's what, Revelation 21, I have to read this quickly just for time's sake. And uh, very often I can spend some time reading this at funerals and memorial services. But listen to this. It's, what is such a great picture that John gets on the Isle of Patmos. The, uh, John the Revelator, he says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard with a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. That sounds good, doesn't anybody excited about that? A place where righteousness dwells? Nobody's going to steal your packages off your porch anymore. It's heaven. People are living right in heaven, right? If you ain't going to tolerate any nonsense in heaven, we're just going to spend our time worshiping God for all of eternity. And it's beautiful. And this is the promise. It's a promise. I'm just like clinging to this thing. Somebody, oh, the, the lotto's up to a billion dollars. I should buy a ticket. This isn't that. This isn't that. This is like we are putting our faith in this, that, that the promise that he will, will finally, we will take us home. The dwelling, the dwelling place, a place of righteousness, and it will be home forever. And it's opposite of anything that you thought was good in this world. The good things. All the, you, know, you know how popular altruism is right now? Just trying to uh, do, do nice things for people. It's popular. If you, if you are an athlete or a, a movie star and you don't have a nonprofit, you are a loser. The problem with it is, is that if you only do humanitarian aid without the injection of the gospel, it's lost. Yeah, you can feed people all day long, but if you don't give them Jesus, they're still going to be empty. You've got to give them, and so it's opposite of the world's righteousness, and this righteousness of God will dwell forever. He says, therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent. Be diligent to be found by him, coming back to get us, without spot or blemish and at peace. So you be without spot or blemish, that's one thing, and to be at peace. I don't know how many of you are at peace today, but peace is available. Right? Paul wrote about it in Philippians, one of the great themes of Philippians, in the middle of chaos, in the middle of jail, in the middle of being beaten and tired and cold and hungry. He said, I've got the peace that passes all understanding, right, because I took it to the Lord in prayer. The old hymn says, oh, what peace you often forfeit because you don't take it to the Lord in prayer. If we would just pray and just say, i am got my hands out of it, I don't understand it all, but your timing is good and you are perfect, so I just receive your peace in every circumstances. I'm going to continue to walk out. That's the behavior that starts to live out because behavior is changed by your holy living and your anticipation or your expectation of his return. It's changed. It has to be. It has to be. Now, some people are quicker and more proactive with it, but it's happening. So he says, be diligent or make every effort or really, really try. Not that that saves you. Your trying doesn't save you. God's grace 
saves you, but you should be doing something. And you need to be active in your defense of your life. Right? You need to be active in your defense because the devil's he's like a roaring lion. He's always around. He's trying to devour. He's trying to eat up people. And so you've got, you got to defend yourself or set yourself up with systems of accountability. I have one of my good friends this week called me and say, I need accountability. I said, got your back. I said, I don't know how we're going to do it yet, but we're going to set up some systems of accountability. Why? Because I care about him and because God cares about his life. And if he cares, then I'm certainly going to fight with him. That's the type of thing because we want to live without blemish or we want to be blameless or we don't want to have any defects. I want to be as, as, as good as I possibly can be for, to please the Lord. And if that's the truth, then the opposite is true. If I just do what I want, then it grieves the Lord. And I don't want to do that. Romans 5 Verse 1 says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace is available. If you've been justified, if he took care of your sin, then you have peace with God. Verse 15 says, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you, according to the wisdom given him, the patience of our Lord, the patience of God, it's so practical. It's proactive. You might know that the Lord is patient. You just don't know how patient he's been with you. <laughs> if you saw all of his patience, you'd be on your face the whole day. It'd be the whole day. You couldn't get up. Because you'd be like, I mean, we know. Like, we know we're knuckleheads. And if, as soon as you say, like, not me, then you're, all, you're the biggest knucklehead in here. We're all knuckleheads. We all need Jesus, right? We need the patience of the Lord of salvation. I also love that, that, that Simon Peter references Paul here. And it, this is just a side note, but it's, it's interesting that he says our dear friend because in Galatians they had, a, they had a little riff. Maybe some of you don't know that, but Paul got on to Peter pretty hard for something that appeared to be hypocritical. And he called him out on it. He literally just called him out, and, and it was a pretty severe rebuke that he gave Peter. But, and you might be thinking, why am I asking this? Because sometimes it may be me or maybe somebody else comes in your life, and they give you, maybe it's a severe rebuke or maybe it's a gentle rebuke, or they just be like, come on, man, is that what we're doing? Is that the best stewardship of your life for Christ? And they call you out, and you go like, I can't believe they would call me out like that. I can't believe they would hold, hold me to it. Who are they? And it, and it severs relationships inside of the body of Christ because, because people can't take the truth. You, you have to be ready. So I love that Simon Peter, who wasn't perfect, was able to call the apostle Paul, who said, I'm the chief of all sinners, and say, my dear friend, our deep, dear friend who had called him out. So if somebody has called you out in the past, if they did it with meekness and humility, and they did it for your good, then maybe you just need to get over yourself and go back and say, hey, my dear friend, thanks for looking out for me. You care for me. Thank you for doing that. 16 says, as he does in all of his letters, when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. So it kind of references back to the false teachers, the, the false prophets, these guys who are manipulating, right? They're, they're twisting things, and they make it sound good. And this isn't something that just stayed right here in the context. This is things that are still happening today. We unpacked this pretty hard over a couple of weeks ago, but Paul dealt with it, Peter dealt with it, they dealt with it all through the, the Gospels and the letters and the prison epistles, and we're still dealing with it today, and I'm telling you, there will be people who distort this thing. 
They will. Some of them will do it on purpose. Some of them will do it out of ignorance. They don't know. This is why it's careful to be learned and studied, and it's, it's also important to be discipled. Because you might, you might think you know some things, and you got them to say some things that aren't even in here. There's a bunch of stuff on the internet right now, and there's nice things that sound so good. It's like, that's not in the Bible. <laughs> it sounds good. It feels good. Paul told Timothy in the last days, people would, they would grab a hold of these things. They would hear the, the things that, that would tickle their ears. Like it wouldn't be sound teaching or sound doctrine. But the word here that he uses were hard to understand. Um, it, it's tough. It's, it, it feels like muddy to people. And so we're, we're, we're always fighting for clarity. And God is very clear in his word. That's why it's the best thing. So sometimes as a believer, you might not fully understand everything you read. But that doesn't mean you get to twist it either. Right? If you don't understand, you, you get some help. People come to me and they have questions sometimes, and I'm like, you know what? I don't know. And they're like, you don't know? I'm like, no, I don't know. I mean, I'll look into it, but there are some things that I just, like, I don't have this memorized in case you're, you're, you're wondering that. I, I, I try to memorize scripture. I focus on it. I read it every day for not just the purpose of preparing a message, but getting fed and washed by the word every single day. But I don't have it memorized, and I don't know everything in there. I'm learning. I'm a disciple. Like, I'm not finished in my discipleship process. I am being discipled. But we need to deepen our understanding of God's word and him. 17 says, you therefore, beloved. <laughs> Such a great word we talked about last week. What a great word. Beloved. I started rereading a book this this work from uh, this week from a guy named Henry Nowen, and he wrote some incredible things. And he was a guy who openly struggled with some stuff, but devoted his life to Christ. He said, "I'm not going to live that way. I have these proclivities towards this this thing, but I'm not going to do that because it dishonors God, right?" And he said, "The one, the one word in all of his studies and all of his just gripping and and just holding on to life and to holding on to Jesus and he says the one word that he just held it all together for him was that." He was God's beloved. That God loved him so much. The whole point wasn't for Jesus to come and die on a cross so that he could just live, live in his sin. No, the whole point is that he can live in the total freedom that God had for him, in the abundant life that God and spend eternity in the dwelling place of righteousness with God. It's the whole point, right? Beloved. And so we hold on to that and know that about yourself today. But he says, knowing this beforehand, it's important. Peter said, you already know, but... You, you knew this beforehand, but I'm telling you anyway, just like many of you here, take care that you were not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. You already know. <laughs> I'm telling you again, take care. Guard yourselves, right, that you are not carried away with ah. Uh, that's a, that's a strong phrase. I'm, I'm, I'm watching so many people just be carried away with nonsense, with anger, with frustration. Somebody else said something, follow this thing, follow that thing. They're just, they're just all over the place. Instead of being what, I, what I've, I've tried to tell you guys over and over again, just be stable. Not, not in me, not in Life Point Church. Be stable with the roots down deep into the Lord. Just be stable. 
Just be stable. Just get in there because the world's crashing. The waves are crashing. The world is smashing. People are crazy. It's all chaotic. It's getting worse and worse and more and more lawless. That's what he said. The era of lawless people. These people, the, the false doctrine, the enemy, the liars, they're out there. They want to see it. The devil wants to see you pulled apart, swept away. But you are, you're responsible. So that's why Simon is saying, you take care. Take care of your heart. Take care of yourself. I mean, we wouldn't physically just let somebody run over us. So why would we do that spiritually? And that, and that is such a beautiful, loving script. Peter is, I think he's saying this. He's like, with, with everything that's inside of him, as he wraps up this letter, he's like, guys. Ladies, gentlemen, just ante up, kick it in, make sure, because we got some stuff going on, and and he gives this 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 word really in the in the language here. We kind of come across here is it really just means prognosis, and the prognosis, right? When you get a prognosis or a diagnosis here, it lets you know how to deal with something, and that's what Peter is saying. The the stuff is crazy. The prognosis is the world is crazy. It will get worse and worse, and, and then the end. Or it will wax worse and worse, and then the end. But the gift of God is eternal life. And, and so if we know that all this is going to be crazy, what do we do? We take care of ourselves. Take care. Guard your heart, right? Because he's trying to get you to be unstable. So the distractions of the enemy are loud. And they're repeated, and many, and they just keep coming every day. Distractions, distractions, distractions. Oh, I was going to read my Bible. Distraction. I was going to pray. Distraction. I was going to devote. Distraction. I was going to gather the family and open up the word. Distraction. It's a fight. Who's responsible for defending your circle? You. God gave you brains. He gave you his word to supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. But you've got to be on guard. You've got to be on guard. Otherwise, you're going to be carried away. The last verse, he says this. Got to wrap this up quickly. He says, but grow. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We gotta grow, church. We have got to grow. I've, I, I've been doing this. It's starting. The years are starting to stack up faster than I can even imagine. I can't believe it. It's like I've lived this song already. And for some of you, that you're like, oh, you're just a kid. And the others of you are like, you're an old man. So I'm like in this weird spot. I don't know how to navigate all of that. But what I do know is I've been doing it for a few years. And I'll tell you this: however much I, I've grown, I've got to grow a lot faster. A lot faster. And the beautiful thing about God is this. It's like a flywheel effect. Sometimes with the, the flywheel, it takes a minute to get the, the effect going. You know this. You like, you get it. It's like a train. You get it. But once it gets going, and so whatever it took me, uh, you know, almost 48 years to get to here, this same distance, it won't take me another 48 years. Right? Because I got so, so much momentum and so much understanding, so much knowledge. So the same distance will take me, Lord willing, a year 
And the same can be for all of you. And that's the kind of growth that God has for you. It's exponential growth. And that kind of growth will put your roots down deep and will cause you to be more stable than you've ever been in a more chaotic world that has ever been. This is what we're seeing. And this, this word grow here isn't like, I suggest you grow. This is a statement from Simon Peter. It's, it's a command. Grow. 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 And then his pen breaks out in a song. Very, very short doxology to him. Be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Breaks out. Would you stand with me real quick as I finish up? <laughs> All these beautiful things and beautiful phrases, right? You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Like that, that kind of stuff we just feel so, you are born to a living hope, a new hope. This is something that's just incredible, but, but he's got this calling and this election on your life, which is beautiful. And I want to end with this, going back to the first chapter of Second Peter, just to bring it full circle. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, that's growth, <laughs> They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you are growing, you'll be effective. Growing plants produce oxygen. Oxygen is effective. Right? People that are sick need oxygen. You've got to be growing so that you can produce the oxygen so that people can understand the gospel and the goodness of God and let the Lord change their lives forever. And we bow our heads together. Father, thank you for your presence in the room. Holy Spirit, thank you that you have touched the hearts of people. Holy Spirit, thank you for introducing us to the love of Jesus. Jesus, as we have accepted you as our Lord and Savior, new life has begun. New growth. The old is gone. It's passed away. The new has come. And we are growing our roots deep down into you, Lord. Thank you for your great gift of love. It's really hard to grasp at times how, how much you love us. Listen, quickly, nobody's looking around. This is your day. If you've never met Jesus, this is the day where you meet Jesus, where he changes everything. Your eternity changes forever. Where the old dies and the new begins to grow. Regeneration. If you need to accept Jesus in your life today, if you say, I need that love in my life, I need that peace in my life that's been absent, would you just slip up your hand today? Don't leave this place. I see hands all over the place. Thank you. You can put them down. Listen, church, let's pray this prayer together. Father, I thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for sending me Jesus.
I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that you are my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Now be the Lord of my life. Run the show every day. Convict me where necessary. Guide me every single minute. And let me always grow roots into you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for everything, God. You're so good. We love you. We honor you. And we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we put our hands together? Congratulations. Finishing out first and second, Peter. We're getting through some books. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait. Next week is Christmas Eve, right on Sunday morning. Three services, 9, 10, 30, noon. It's going to be incredible. Can't wait to see you there. Bring somebody, each one. You know it. Let's pray our benediction. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Love you guys. God bless you.